Proverbs 29. You know, whatever God has to say, it's always appropriate. Sometimes I think we get, uh, we try to make sure we say just the perfect thing when, if we'll just listen to what God said, that's all that's needed. I'm, we left off in Proverbs 29, and we've been in Proverbs four years and four months. But we can see the finish line. And we left off in verse number 9. So we'll pick up there. If I had to entitle the message, it comes right from the first phrase of verse 9 about a wise man contending with a foolish man. It, I would call this message contending with foolishness. And uh, what does 2023, if we make it there, hold? Well, it holds a lot of foolishness. And uh, we're in a fight with foolishness. And if you're not in a fight with foolishness, that means that you're part of the foolishness. So you can either contend with it or just join in with it. And that's not recommended. Proverbs 29 verse 9, the Bible says, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. The bloodthirsty hate the upright. But the just seek his soul, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. The rod and reproof. Give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Some of these verses that we've just got through reading we've already dealt with, but we'll Start back in verse number 9, and what I want to say first about this battle with foolishness or contending with the foolish, it's a battle that will wear you out. Look at our verse, verse number 9. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. There's just no rest in this contention with the foolish man. Now, that's not to say that we should not be contending with the foolish. It just means that we'll never get any rest from it. It continues. It's like a, a battle that will never end in our lives. Because if you get anywhere with, say, you're able to win some foolish individual to the cause of the Lord and bring them to the place of wisdom, then you're just going to have... Ten more foolish people lined up right behind the one you just tried to help. So there's never any rest because we live in a foolish world. And the Bible tells us to earnestly 
contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So our lives are spent in contending with what is wrong and contending with what is foolish. He's not telling the wise man just to leave off and not contend with the foolish man. Otherwise, he will not be engaged in truth and in right because... Again, as I just said, if you don't contend with the foolish, you're, you're just part of the problem. You're, you're part of the scenery. And God doesn't want you to go along with all the foolish things in the world. He wants you to contend. He wants you to fight that good fight of faith. And people that get tired in that battle, they get tired of fighting the foolishness in their own heart. They get tired of fighting the foolishness in their family or the foolishness of sin, the foolishness that's in the world. There, there's no rest in that either. You say, well, what profit is it to contend with the foolish if there is no rest? Well, it's worse on the other side. Because if you're a part of the foolish, then kicking against the pricks of our Lord is much harder than contending with the foolish. Fighting against God is always harder than fighting against you or fighting against what's wrong with you or what's wrong with the world. You don't want to fight against God. You do not want to contend with God. There's never been anyone that contended with God that won. So you need to stay on the Lord's side. To stay on the Lord's side, there's going to be all the rest of the world over here engaged and enwrapped in their foolishness that are going to stand against you. And so as we contend with the foolish, there's a couple of different responses that we get if we as wise people, and of course a wise man is just anybody that sees things like God sees them and has the heart that God has for things, sees it from his point of view and lives that way. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Now, I don't think the wise man is raging or laughing. I think the foolish man is raging or laughing. So, in other words, if the, if the wise man, if you're trying to, trying to win over the foolish, and you know, if, if you're trying to help anybody, especially if you're trying to lead anybody to Christ, you're dealing with foolish people. Heathen people, lost people, people that aren't the family of God, their, their whole life is just filled with foolishness. They're not building their house on a rock. They're building it on sand. They're not building on Jesus Christ and His Word. They're, they're building on whatever floats their boat in life. And so everybody that's lost is foolish. So if you try to contend with them and try to bring them to Christ, you're going to get a couple of different responses. They're either going to get mad at you or they're going to laugh at you. That's what he said. Whether he rage or laugh, there's no rest. You know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of saved people, a lot of good God's people, they can't deal with, with those two things very well. They can't deal when somebody gets mad at them. If, if you can't function if somebody's mad at you, you're not going to be able to function for the Lord. The fools are always going to rage. Well, sometimes they get angry, and then sometimes they just laugh at you. They mock you. They scorn you. And, uh, but what, whether, whatever their response is, it's not good. Because here's the thing about the foolish. Until you can get this foolish man to turn from his foolishness and come to wisdom, as long as he's a foolish man, the response is never going to be good. 
the response is always going to be bad. There has got to be a change from the foolish side to the wise side. And until that happens, you can't help a foolish man. Now you can contend with them. You want to get them to that place. Hey, you need to leave your foolishness. You need to leave living for yourself, living for your sin, getting wrapped up in everything that's not God. And you need to come over to God's wisdom. But until they do that, their response is going to produce nothing but unsettledness. There'll be no rest as long as that individual is foolish. I started thinking about that. I looked at that little phrase at verse 9, in verse 9. There is no rest. And the first time that phrase, you know where the first time that phrase in the Bible, no rest? Anybody, anybody know? Where? No, no. The very first time is in Genesis. And the ark lands. And Noah opens up the window and he, he lets out the unclean bird. <laughs> he lets out the raven. He lets out that unclean black bird and it flies out of the ark and it doesn't come back. And so he lets out a dove, a white, clean bird. And that dove, which of course we know, another symbol of the spirit, just like the raven is the symbol of the flesh eater. And the dove came back to the ark because the Bible said she found no rest. Because all that was out there was destruction and bodies floating and decay. There was no life. There was no growth. There was just death and judgment because all of that foolish society had been destroyed by God, but the the blackbird, it's out there lighting on wherever, and it doesn't come back to the ark. It doesn't come back to the place of sin because it's content to land on the death and the decaying. And But the dove has no rest in that situation. Boy, what a picture. You know what? If If the Spirit of God lives in your heart, There will never be rest out there with all the decaying world. You'll never find any rest for the sole of your foot. Now, if you're a dirty bird, you're going to be right at home in all that destruction. So really, in that regard, that puts no rest in a good light. The dove does not Find rest with the destruction and the decay and the rot. And may that always be the case with God's people that would never be at home with all that. Because if that's true, there's something wrong. It's the wrong bird on the outside. Does that make sense? So as this wise man is contending with the foolish man, there's no rest because there there is no acceptance of the foolishness. There is no going along with the food. No, there is contention with the food because there can't be any rest as long as you are foolishly against God and I'm staying with the truth. Then there's not going to be any rest in that relationship. Of course, Job was the second time that phrase is used and he had... 
He had no rest because he had a bunch of foolish friends talking to him. And that's in Job chapter 30 where he says that. And those foolish friends continued and continued and continued. And he, he said, I just don't have any rest. So the moral of that story is, the more foolish friends you have, the less rest you're going to have in your life. You see that? Job was a wise man. That's one of the wisdom books. But he had all these foolish people around him, so he didn't have any rest in his soul. You say, well, preacher, if there's no rest with the foolish, and we live in a foolish world, and there's foolish people around us, and there's a foolish society, then that means there's no rest for me. No, that's not true. There is rest to be found. Matter of fact, there's even rest to be found in this text that I read. Look at verse 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee what? Now, I'm not going to have time tonight to get into this last contending with foolishness. But what I'm going to say when we get to it the next time, the battle with foolishness has to also be raised with the foolishness that's in your children. If you don't contend and battle with the foolishness in your children, you know what's going to happen? There will be no rest. But if you correct your son, he will give thee what? What does it say? Rest. So there is rest to be found. Now listen, there's no rest to be found out there, but there can be rest found in your own home. That's what the text is showing. Now that doesn't mean it's always the case, but that's a possibility. Not only that, look at Psalm 37. Now, that little phrase, there is no rest. And we have a situation in our world today where it's not just lost people that have no rest. And, and Brother Jimmy quoted down here tonight, he was quoting Isaiah fifty-seven twenty, where the Bible says, you know, the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. It's not just lost people that don't have rest. It's also a lot of God's people that aren't having good rest. And I'm not just talking about your sleep habits. I'm talking about rest on the inside. Rest. Relax. That's a good word, relax. Some of you hadn't relaxed. You are as tight as a banjo string. You're, you're just ready to pop. Because you're not at rest. People that aren't at rest, they go off. You say, preacher, we live in a foolish world and there's no rest. No, there's no rest out there. There's no rest in continuing with the foolish. But there is rest to be found for you if you're a wise individual. You're just not going to get it out there. You're not going to get it with foolish people. Psalm 37, the Bible says, watch it. Psalm 37 He said in verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, Rest in the what? He said, Preacher, I I like that verse about your son give you rest. What if my family's not giving me any rest? Well, then you're going to have to rest in the Lord. Well, I don't understand that, and I can't appropriate that. The Bible is true. Don't look at the Bible as not working because it doesn't seemingly work for you. I, I believe the Bible's right. Even, even if I don't know, even if I don't see it working in my life, the Bible is right. And he said in this verse, rest in the Lord. 
You can't rest in your circumstances. You can't rest in the world. You can't, you can, he says, rest in the Lord. This is what I'm going to tell you. If you don't have a real close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot have any rest. And admit we always say, well, the preacher always says that, and it always goes back to a spiritual thing. I tell you what, the most, the most unspiritual people are the people that say that first of all. The, the people that I know that are closest to the Lord have rest on the inside. Because you have rest in the Lord, not in what's going on in your life. While I'm contending, i got to somehow get to the Lord and rest in Him. Look at your verse. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him that prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. You know what he's trying to tell you? He's trying to, don't get bent on shape with all that's going on. Rest in the Lord. Amen. Isaiah chapter 11. I, I, 2023? Yeah. If we get there, you'll need some rest. But life is a constant contention with foolishness. And you're going to have to find, we all are going to have to find in our relationships with the Lord the rest that we need. Because the battle never stops. Isaiah 11, this is all about Jesus Christ and His coming even in the kingdom. But in verse 10, the Bible says in Isaiah 11, verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, you know who that is, that's our Lord, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his, what does it say? His rest shall be what? Glorious. Glorious. Matthew chapter 11, you knew I was going there, right? You know, if we're not careful, we'll think that we are the only people in the world that have ever suffered and have hard, had hard times. When Jesus walked on the face of the earth, there were a lot of people that had no rest. And he said in Matthew 11 and verse number 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Now look, while you're contending with the foolishness of this world, you need to go to Jesus and get rest. But he, you know what? So many times we don't just contend with the foolishness of the world. We contend with God. Instead of going to the Lord for our rest, we go to the Lord with our complaint. Does that make sense? Instead of going to the Lord and saying, wow, what a battle out there. Oh, Lord, I'm coming to you for rest. We'll come to Him with our bitterness or with our questions or with our doubts or with our anger. He says, come unto me, all you labor heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall, ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that true? So while you're contending with foolishness, run to Jesus to get your rest. 
you're not going to get it with the foolishness. You know what the opposite of, of, of Matthew 11 is Matthew 12. Look at Matthew 12, verse 43. Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, I'm convinced. Guys, say what you want to. Diagnose everybody and all their problems all you want to. But I am convinced that there is more unclean and devil-possessed and devil-oppressed and unclean spirits working in, in today's economy than we have any idea. And it's so easy to chalk it up to everything but an unclean spirit. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking what? And findeth what? None. Devils never find rest. Then he say, I, saith, I will return to my house from whence it came out. When he is come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter then and dwell there. And the last day of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also it be also unto this wicked generation. A wicked generation is filled with unclean spirits. And the people that they feel are not at rest, but the devils are. The devils aren't at rest when they're not occupying a life. And when the devil's out of your life, there can be rest there. But when the devils are in your life, they're at rest and you're not. Does that make sense? So there is rest to be found in the battle. You can find rest. The wise man contendeth with the foolish man. Whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. I want to go to the next verse in Proverbs 29. He says, verse number 10, the bloodthirsty, that's the only time that word's used in the Bible. The bloodthirsty. We've got a lot of those in the world. Thirsty for blood. Vampires. Isn't that bloodthirsty people that drink blood? If you're thirsty for blood, isn't that a vampire? wonder how that got to be so popular in our society. wonder how that got to be fascinating to people. Bloodthirsty. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Well, here's another battle I see. Here's a choice that can be made. You can either... Hate the upright or you can seek the upright. You know, that's been always the case. There was, there was Saul and all those that sought to kill David, but Jonathan sought David. Saul wanted to destroy him because he hated him. Jonathan wanted to, he wanted to love him. He sought his soul. Uh, Paul, the apostle, had all those people that wanted to kill him. They, they even uh, bound themselves under a curse to kill him. And then, then you had the other people like Aquila and Priscilla that were laying down their, their necks for him and they sought his welfare and, and to be his helper. They sought his, while others hated, they sought him. They wanted him. The Bible says, Onesiphorus, 
He, uh, the Bible said that, that he was not ashamed of Paul's chain and sought him out. While people were wanting to put him in jail and destroy him, Onesiphorus, he was interested in seeking out Paul and finding Paul. You know what I think can happen in this battle against foolishness? We can choose hatred instead of seeking the right people. We can be so disappointed that we lump everybody into the same category. And because one person has disappointed me or hurt me, then everybody's a bad apple. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the Bible says the just seek his soul. You know how many people have gotten disappointed with somebody in church and so they just threw the whole church in the garbage can? They got disappointed with a family member so they just threw the whole family in the garbage can. They got disappointed with a preacher so they put all preachers in the garbage can. But you know, they don't do that at work because they need the paycheck. Here's what I'm saying. In this battle against foolishness, you have a choice. You have the choice of of hating people. Or you have the choice of seeking out people that love God and that are trying to live upright. And there are still those people in the world. And you can seek their soul. And you can want to be with them. And you cannot be ashamed of them. And you can stand with them. And you can be a part of their life. And they can be a part of your life. But in the contention sometimes, people just want to ostracize themselves from everybody. And I get that, but it's not right. I I don't want to be a vampire. And just hate everybody. Yeah, the bloodthirsty. That was what Cain was with Abel. I bet Cain could have even told you why he knocked his brother's brains out. He probably had a good reason. In his own brain. The brothers of Joseph, they had their own reasons for hating their brother. But it wasn't right. You know, Jezebel, she wanted to kill the prophets of God, but Obadiah wanted to hide them. You see the difference in that attitude? You find those that hated the Lord Jesus Christ and wanted to destroy them, those of power, those of religion, and yet there were sinners and there was disciples that sought Him. It's a choice of either hatred or seeking someone's soul, desiring their life. Stephen, before they stoned him to death, he said this to those Jews. He said, which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? They didn't like any of the prophets. They they hated them all. They persecuted them all. When, when, When you're contending with this foolishness in life, don't let it breed hatred in your life. Don't let it bring that bloodthirstiness that you just want to get back at everybody. That'll destroy you and you'll never have another good relationship the rest of your life. God's people shouldn't be bloodthirsty. We should be seeking the souls of the upright. Well, there's another battle here. 
verse 11. A fool, there's that foolishness. A fool uttereth all his mind. I, know, I think I've known some people like that. I'll give you a piece of my mind, not a very big piece. A fool uttereth all his mind. I wonder how long it take him to do it. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterward. The wise man is not keeping it in permanently. He's just smart enough to know when to let it out. The foolish man is coming out. If it's in the brain, it's out the mouth. You live like that, you're a fool. And I didn't say that, God said that. A fool uttereth all his mind. So here's a battle with foolishness. Here's a battle with foolishness to keep your mind. Look at that. I got to think about this verse. I almost laughed. He said, a fool uttereth all his mind. He didn't say a fool uttereth all his words. He said he uttereth all his mind. Look, look at the rest of the verse. But a wise man keepeth it in. Keepeth what? Keepeth his mind in. You ever heard somebody, you ever heard the phrase, he lost his top? Or he blew his top? Yeah. He just all spewed out. You know what people do? People are losing their mind instead of keeping their mind. You know, maybe some of our good mental health is us keeping it ourselves. And maybe part of that equation is, I can't keep my mind if I can't keep my mouth. My mind's freaked out and out of control, and what's coming out of my mouth is just a picture of that. What about this? God said this, if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. It looks like that people are out of control because they can't control the first thing. So i got to understand this about myself. I'm in a battle with the foolishness of me wanting to say things. Do you say everything you want to say? That's pretty foolish. Well, I just got mad. Well, keep it in till afterwards. We all get mad. But foolishness just lets it all come out. Well, that's just the way I felt at the time. We don't want to know how you feel at the time. We want you to keep your mind... And in the process, you may keep some of your relationships. Is that pretty good for the last message of the year? A fool uttereth all his mind. Do you tell, have you ever, look, do you know there's, there's probably somebody in your life, you know you can't tell them something because if you tell them something, it's going to come right out of their mouth to the next person they see. They have absolutely no control. Even if they say, I won't tell anybody, the next person they see is going to come right out. You know why? They're a fool. They have no control over their tongue. Mm. Can you just not say what you really want to say? And say it when God wants you to say it. And then when you say it when God wants you to say it, it'll come out right. So the battle with foolishness is also the battle... For my tongue, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. 
It's like, have you witnessed to somebody and you've been witness to them and something came in your mind and said, well, I'm going to hit them with that. And the Lord says, hold on. Have you ever, have you ever been witnessing with somebody that when they, they just uttered all their mind and they didn't have the discernment when to be quiet and wait for the time to say what they needed to say at the right time, they immediately want to jump in. No, 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 that's not right. We've got to be under control about what's in our mind. Just because it's in your brain does not mean it needs to come out of your mouth yet. We've got to have wisdom. So much of the battle is happening because things are coming out of the mouth and they're not being controlled. The Bible says a word spoken in due season. That's Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A word spoken in due season. How good is it? Just at the right time. Maybe it's the right thing to say, but just not the right time to say it. You know, I believe some. I believe people need to be told they're going to hell. But I've heard some people say that at the wrong time. And in the wrong way. Telling people God loves them, that's a good thing to say. You know sometimes it's not the right time to say it. Because sometimes they need to see their sin first. And then see a God that's able to love and forgive them. If they don't see their sin first, then they've got a God that loves them with no consequence. Does that make sense? The battle with foolishness to keep your mind. Somebody says, well, I'm just an honest person and honesty just always utters all the mind. No, no, foolishness, not honesty. No, that's not honesty. That's a lack of control. Well, I just, I'm honest. I just had to say it. No, you don't. You can be honest on the inside. He said, keepeth it in. Be honest in here. No, what's wrong with that? Because there are things it's not time to get out. You know, there's things Jesus did not even say that were the truth until it was time for him to say it. There were things he didn't tell his disciples about himself until it was time for him. You know what he said? He said, because you can't bear it now. You know, I think the Lord does that with us. There are things the Lord doesn't tell us because we can't handle them now. Aren't you glad God didn't utter all his mind? What if God set set us down and just told us everything he thought about us? (laughs) Unless you've got a different opinion of yourself, I guess that would be. No, I I, I appreciate the long-suffering of God and the mercy and grace. I I, I know there's plenty for him to say that I don't want to hear. I'm not ready to hear. So this battle of foolishness is a battle to keep our minds and to keep our tongues. And I give you the last one. I'm finished. Boy, this is the third service. We're going to end right at the top of the hour. Verse 13. I've already dealt with verse 12. Verse 13, the poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. So here's a poor man, so he has some things going against him. Here's a deceitful man. He's got plenty going against him. 
sort of like that phrase about the, that we saw in this book, the poor and the, the rich and poor meet together, and the Lord's the maker of them both. Well, here the Lord's not the maker of the deceitful man and the poor man, but the Lord does something for both of them the same. It says, the poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. You know what the battle with foolishness is? It's a battle about light and truth. And the thing about God is, even if you're a deceitful person, He'll give you light. Even if you're a poor individual, He'll give you light. Even if you're a foolish individual, He'll give you light. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. God didn't say, well, I'm going I'm to give light to, to this person, not another. That's, that's a Calvinist doctrine. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 in verse 4 that the Lord lighteth every man that cometh into the world. No matter how wicked he is or deceitful he is or if he's rich or poor, he lighteneth every man that comes in the world. But the problem is in John 3, there's some people that hate the light and they run from the light and they don't want to come to the light. It's not that God didn't give it to them. It's they ran away from it and they didn't want it. So when we are contending with foolishness, I think what he's trying to say is if God is giving the light to everybody, whether they're poor or whether they're deceitful, that that is our path in this battle. It's, it's not about, about me and my agenda or whatever I want in life. I just need to continue to let the light shine. What is needed against foolishness is the light of God. God needs people to shine the light in a foolish world. He said in this same book, he tells us in chapter 6 of the book of Proverbs, verse 23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Our job in this battle with foolishness is to shine the light of the Lord. No matter how discouraged we get, no matter how how dark it seems, keep shining the light. I, I've had parents talk to me and they say, you know, <clears throat> I've got this little child and, and, and they said they got saved. I don't know if they're saved or not and I don't know how to deal with them and, 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 I, and I don't want to tell them wrong. And you know what I tell them all the time? I said, keep telling them what God said. Keep shining the light. You don't have to settle the issue. You just have to shine the light. You don't have to settle the foolish people's issues. You just have to shine the light. You don't have to make everything right with the people that are, that are crazy or wicked in your life. You just have to keep shining the light. That's, that's our job. Let your light so shine before men. And God doesn't, get to, God doesn't say, well, he's deceitful. I'm not going to light him. No, I'm, I'm going to give him both light. He tells us in Psalm 19 and verse, verse number 8, he said, The statutes of the, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And our job is to take this book and just to shine it in the midst of the foolishness. Just like Jonathan, he put it, well, all that death and all that battle and all that war that was going on, and he took his staff and he got a little honey and he put it to his mouth and, and, and and it, it lightened his eyes. And what we need, we need the light in our own heart, in our own mind. We need to keep the light burning bright in us, and we need to let it burn for others in this battle. We're not careful, though. We, we won't even care. Bunch of foolish people. I'm not even going to tell them the truth. I never saw this verse before in this light. The Bible said in James chapter 1, 
You know the verse, verse 17, I've quoted often. Every good, every perfect gift comes from above. Listen, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turn. You know what our God does? He gives gifts. Every good thing in all of, all of our lives has come from God. You know what one of those good gifts is? Light. He's the Father of lights. He turns on the light. And we see the truth. And that's our job. And we need to embrace that light. That book says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. This foolish world that we live in needs light. Preacher, I don't see any hope. That is not your job. Your job is to shine the light. Guys, do you know how discouraged I would be if I got up here to preach every week and my goal or my plan or my desire or the measure of whether or not I've done right or wrong or been successful was if somebody got saved? I would have quit the ministry a long time ago. Matter of fact, if, if the measure of my ministry, if somebody gets help, I may have quit the ministry a long time ago. You know what my job is to do? Is to try to be so right with the Lord, and when I get up, just shine the light. That's my job. I can't fix anybody. I tried to fix that dishwasher over there, made it worse, spent more money, made it worse. I can't fix anything. I can't fix anybody. That's not even my job. I can't save anybody. But you know what I can do? I can shine the light. You can't fix people. Guys, some of you in this battle with foolishness, you're you're going nuts because you can't fix them. And God's just wanting you to shine the light. That's all we can do is shine the light. And maybe somebody will come to it. Anybody can come to the light. But foolish people don't want to come to the light. But that's not going to keep me from shining it. 